0: Under my thumb, the girl who once down. Under my thumb, the girl
1: who was me around. It's down to me. The
2: difference in the clothes she wears down to me. The change has come. She's under my.
0: Hey guys, I am Tyler Hosley, and this week I watched season one of Newlyweds.
2: Is that, that that's it? That's it. Oh, okay.
0: The Jessica Simpson show, you know. Oh. With Nick Lachey.
2: Oh, no, I, yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow, but that is that, notable. Was that the old
1: show?
0: Yes, the really old show. I just, I had it playing on the TV at work, so I just was watching it.
1: The one where she thought China you know, was like Chicken of the Sea or something.
0: Th- that is the one. Right. Tuna is I, I, the
1: chicken I, of the sea. Oh, yeah, she's not entirely wrong. I hate myself for knowing that much about it.
2: Awesome. I'm Dave Gray and this week I learned um what what did I learn? I learned um I don't know something something about werewolves. I I played, you know. I I played the quarry
1: finally. So something something werewolves. I'm Kevin Matthews, and this week I reminded myself that there still are some really good Michael J. White movies to enjoy out there. Like basically, guys, I watched Blood and Bone, which is probably one of his other best ones, and it's awesome. It is awesome. Nice. And this is Raiders of the Podcast. Yeah. So yeah, well, before getting to what I watched, we'll say hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Let's all say hi, Craig.
2: Hi, Craig. We love you, Craig.
1: Um, and then segue effortlessly into Michael J. White. Be awesome. Have you guys seen Blood and Bone? Yeah. Uh, It's um, it's one of those films. This is the upside of internet browsing sometimes because somebody put together a couple of clips as they do from films and I remember seeing that and thinking that looks awesome what the hell's that and it was blood and bone and yeah the clips were highlights but the whole film is like really good It's it's a vehicle for Michael Jai White to repeatedly uh, kick people in the face really well He has some hits in this that are pretty solid. Um, So, yeah, really good. I really enjoyed that. I'm probably going to check out some more of his stuff. Uh, I can't remember what ones I've still to see. I've maybe already seen his better stuff. But I like Michael J. White. He always comes across as a nice guy as well. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm in the mood for watching him kick people in the face. I revisited Haunted Honeymoon. I have a sneaking suspicion that my average rating for Haunted Honeymoon will still see me just sink further in the eyes of Papa Dave. Is that right, Dave?
2: I you know, I haven't seen that movie in so long I couldn't actually say.
1: It's one that I always... It's it's one of those films that, again, I remember fondly because, you know, you're like Jim Wilder, Gilda Radner's in it, Don DeLuise. uh, It's got some good supporting players. I remember a couple of the highlights. And then re-watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's all the rest in it. Like, the middle section's really quite dull. The, The gags aren't as good as they could be. Um... The sort of the plotting is just a bit just flabby in the middle. Um, it starts really well because it is the sort of radio play players uh, and they're doing their thing, and that's fun. But uh, it's always it's an hour watch watching, hoping it will get better, hoping it will get in line with my formed memory of it, which is incorrect. So that's a shame. But I know there are probably a lot of people out there that like it a lot more than I do. Uh, in the opposite way, bizarrely, I watched a kind of cheesy early 70s Italian thriller called Smile Before Death. And I thought that was awesome. <laughs> like, it was really good. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a gel. And I don't know... if. This will upset people, but, you know, I don't think it classes as a jello. It's a pretty straightforward thriller. um, But more than that, it's actually a really entertaining jet black comedy for most of it. Or that's how I viewed it anyway. It starts with the death of a woman. Her um, her husband, I believe, uh, would hope to get her estate and that will set him up well with his lover but then the woman's daughter turns up and she'll have the first claim on the estate. So there's scheming going on there, but then the husband starts to get on quite well with the daughter and, you know, obvious complications ensue. And it's got one of those main theme tunes that's really upbeat and full of, like... It, it's almost... Uh, little orgasmic exclamations and it's repeated every two minutes. But I also kind of like that. It just added to the strange uh, comedy of the whole thing. I watched Catherine Called Birdie, which I didn't expect uh, to like as much as I did. I was just a bit wary. I'd heard good things about it, but I don't have... um, that much experience with the work of Lena Dunham I hadn't watched Girls I hadn't really liked I think it's Tiny Furniture was her first film Catherine Coldbird is really good gave me another dose of Bella Ramsey in this one she's playing a 14 year old girl in medieval England with all of the uh, horror that that involves really her parents want her to marry sometime soon to help the family fortunes, and her mum and dad are played by Billy Piper and Andrew Scott. Uh, they do they do a good job. It's it's a really really good film. Have either of you seen Catherine Called Birdie?
2: I have not. Are you are you, you? know it's a book, right?
1: I do know it's a book. You know I haven't read that book, right, Dave? Yeah, I do know. I know. <laughs> I I am aware. Uh, have you read the book? I have. Yes. Um, and it's is first, it a good book? It, and it is. And can you imagine it i making a good translation I've, to movie form?
2: Yes, and it in it probably would have be, you know it could probably be better than whatever it is. That's not an insult <laughs> on the film, just it's a really good
1: kid's book. Alright, okay. Yeah, it's got a. yeah, like it, it's it's actually got a really assured Tone in terms of addressing the issues without kind of having to drag you through the mud and the blood, as it were. It's it's really well done as a film, so I I would be interested in maybe checking out the book at some point and uh, and and seeing how they compare. But I I think you might be pleasantly surprised uh, by the film, especially I think. A lot of people are on the the we support Bella Ramsey train at the minute. She's doing so well. Yeah, it's um,
2: it's been on my list. I just I just haven't found time.
1: And uh, two different ones to to finish. I don't think I'd mentioned this last week, um, unless I mentioned I picked up a watch.com com for murder. That's. That's not good Although I can see Tyler loving this film
0: Yeah, I have uh, not seen that one But I really want to see that bad Because I yeah, saw your post And I'm like, yep, I need to see that
1: uh, Yeah, it's an early 2000s techno thriller By Nico Mastrakis And it has a horrible soundtrack Horrible oh, visuals But also has uh, a supporting role for Melinda Clark. A supporting role for Huey Lewis, so you need to get past that part. Uh, Natasha Kinsky and Nicolette Sheridan are the main characters there. Jeffrey Dean plays a killer who's showing people what he's about to get up to on the on the internet. The internet is this new dark thing. Yeah, it's a, like I think you'd probably give it at least an eight out of ten. T at least. Uh, it's horrible it's, it's really bad And I I dived into the extra features Just for a moment I was like I want to have a look at this thing Because I gave it a blind bite on Blu-ray I was like is there a bit more to this And within the first minute or two Of a kind of Puff piece about the f- film um, The directors Like already Bringing up Real Window And I'm just thinking don't do that I know I know you sold it as that at the time, you know, a techno version of Rear Window. Like don't don't do that now when you're talking about it. You're you're not helping yourself with this film. Because Real Windows a masterpiece and this is the opposite of a masterpiece. And last but not least, I watched a man called Over. Which before Dave Butson I know is also based on a book, which I also haven't read. <laughs> um
2: I maybe, one one day.
1: I I quite enjoyed this. Um I it was a bit darker than I thought it was going to be, and that's kind of made me curious as to how Closely, they've kept to that in the American, you know, possibly sanitized uh, remake. I don't know. Maybe they've kept it all, and it's just uh, pretty straightforward.
2: It stars Tom Hanks. Come on,
1: yeah, I know. So I don't expect it to be as uh, dark as this gets, but maybe it does. I can't comment until I've seen it. That's that's the thing. It's made me uh, annoyingly more curious to see that because. I'm wondering if they do stick to that. Like everything in it, I think, is quite well handled um, in the way they just pretty you know, straightforwardly show scenes and, and allow the character to develop as it goes on. And I think, that, again, that would be a good book to read. Uh, I just don't know when I'll make time for it. About two-thirds of the way, finally, through the... Um, Elvira memoir autobiography. so I'm getting there. <laughs> Progress is being made, and that's me.
2: Um, this week i I didn't get to watch much. I did um have to finish the whatever the anniversary staging of uh, Phantom of the Opera that was released a few years ago. Where they've got the terrible digital sets and a mediocre Phantom and. Mediocre Christine, but they bring all the ones on the end, all the big phantoms out for the end. So, you know, that was okay. Uh, I watched that because I had Broadway HD for a little while. Um, and besides that, that, that led me to watching uh, Phantom of the Paradise, which then I followed that up with Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, which <laughs> is a movie, um, you know, that I've now seen Twice. And that, I followed that up with, uh, uh, oh, crap. Oh, uh, Chopping Mall, which I love Chopping Mall. It's a personal favorite. Like, I don't rewatch things, like, a lot, but I might watch Chopping Mall every year or two because it's just fun. So that was, that was good. Besides that, it's just, uh, you know, my niece has been on an Abbott Elementary kick. So, like, I, I watched Abbott Elementary or played... The quarry, which I know I'm late to it, but the quarry is really good. I like super massive stuff. I mean, it's not, it's not as good as Until Dawn, but you know, it was it was a solid it was a solid playthrough. I'll I'll do it again and
1: still enjoy it. I have an obvious question for you, Dave. And sure, you're either going to be like, "Oh, I'm not sure," or you're going to roll your eyes and say, "Of course, it happened like a dozen times." Phantom of the Opera being, yeah. you know, one of the big phantoms. Yeah. Has there been a major Scooby Doo Phantom of the Opera crossover?
2: Um, I mean, there have been a few like phantom adjacent, but not direct, not that I can think of. I mean, maybe there's one that's just like, there's like 35 of them there's a few in theaters. There's one with a vampire, there's one with uh ghosts. There's one with... I don't think there's a like just a straight up phantom though.
1: Yeah, that's what I knew there'd be a lot that would at least be really close. But uh that's kind of the crossover that you need.
2: Yeah, well it really but Warner Brothers doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. They just canceled the next the next or the one upcoming. They just cancelled one of the direct-to-video Scoobies uh, that was halfway done. It's animation and had all the audio stuff done. Is
1: that a show or the film? The one that the, was going to follow up that that Scoop? Scoob? Well, that, no, that, that got
2: cancelled. This is the second yeah. Scooby that they've cancelled. This one was directed and written by the same folks that did Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo, which was a lot of... which was fun. So... You know, there's there's some questions there, like, you know, did they do it just to no homo velma again or I mean, it's just, you know, there's questions. Zazlov
0: I also watched an early 2000s slasher which I bought at Blockbuster like many years ago but just never watched it until now. And uh, that wonderful little movie is called Motorhome Massacre. Uh, Yay! It's an, it's an absolute pile of shit. Uh, just complete garbage that looks like it was shot on a Nokia flip phone. I mean, this this was back in the day when any drool cup could make a movie for $5 and Lionsgate would pick it up and put that shit on Blockbuster shelves. I'm sure you remember those days, Dave. But uh,
2: Not any drool cup. They didn't give me money for mine
0: i mean me either so i guess fuck i guess just me and you were left out of that situation but that's when the days were like mr jingles and sick serial insane clown killer those kind of movies that i i rented every single one of them when i was in high school so uh but yeah this this was the complete pits just terrible awful waste of a somewhat cool premise i guess It, it, it could have been good but it's it's bad um and besides that, I've just been re-watching Outer Banks Season 2 because the new season drops on Netflix next week. I love that show, and I cannot wait for Season 3. So, yeah, and that is me.
2: This week, we watched the 1969 satirical comedy film Putney Swope and the 2020... Satirical comedy film, Golden Arm. Hey, Kevin. Yes. No, Tyler. Do you want to pick a movie and tell me about oh. it? Of I'm course. sorry, I forgot that you picked one. I'm sorry. It's it's been one of those weeks.
0: You know what? I am gonna go with Putney Swope. Uh, when its chairman dies, an advertising firm's executive board must elect someone to fill the position. Each member, unable to vote for himself, casts a secret ballot for Putney Swope, the firm's only black executive. Assuming he wouldn't receive any votes from the other members, but once in power, Swope makes radical changes to the firm, like keeping only white, one white employee and refusing to advertise like crazy, harmful products, just all under the firm's new moniker Truth and Soul, Inc.,
1: that, Tyler, is a great summary. You don't even have to go any further. I know your opinion is valued and valid, and I know uh, you appreciate me picking underwater for the special next week. That's it. Just get me ready for this week. We can <laughs> move on. Nice one.
0: Uh, I do appreciate you picking underwater next week.
1: <laughs> but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. I found this movie like crazy hard to review uh, because I just I didn't really care for it as a whole. If I'm being totally honest, uh, the comedy here is not really my thing. I love weird satirical comedies, but I think in the hands of a different filmmaker, this could have been great. Uh, he wasn't making films in this era, obviously, so he wasn't a choice. But I think a filmmaker like Spike Lee could uh, could nail the humor and satirical elements of this film more so than Robert Downey Sr. ever could. I mean, something like Bamboozled shows that Lee can handle an over the top satire. Um, the humor in this movie is very crass. I I didn't personally find it funny overall. But like I said, comedy is always subjective. So I just it's, it's so fucking hard to review comedy. Um. But watching it now, it feels super dated. And I'm not knocking a movie for having dated humor because it was made in a different era and a different time period. Times change, humor changes, shit changes in the world. I appreciate that it doesn't hold back when attacking corporate racism in America. I liked that element. Um, But there's elements in the movie also that take me right out of the film. Like Robert Downey Sr. dubbing his own voice over the leads. I think that was his own voice, right? pretty sure it was
2: yes it was
0: yes i uh i hated that i absolutely fucking despised that element and it didn't work at all for me if you want to see something like that done better i would say go watch sorry to bother you a similar film in ways not totally similar but very similar in many ways it's done so much better and that movie is made by an actual african-american filmmaker so go check that out but uh yeah, it's, it's nowhere near the worst thing we've ever watched in this show. I'm not saying that. There's good things here. I just think it could have been done so much better in the hands of someone else and someone who is not so willing to dub over a lead actor's voice with his own voice, which just fucking kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And it kind of hurt this movie for me in the long run. I, I didn't overall despise it. I just wasn't
2: a big fan of it overall that's funny because i did despise it it's um well i mean it's it's not funny i mean granted okay it was made in 1969 and at the time i accept that it's important in its place in cinematic history and you know, it was one of the first films with a mostly African-American cast to really make a splash, which then paved the way for the black exploitation boom of the 70s. And I understand its place and its importance in history, but there's stuff that just doesn't work anymore. First off, the satire is very fucking it's limp. It's limp and it's weak. And it's a lot of, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. It makes a lot of lip service, but it doesn't have anything to say about any of the things. This movie is essentially lampshading 101. Uh, uh Downey can point out the tropes and then recreate the tropes, but he doesn't say anything about the tropes. And that's an issue. And then he takes... um he takes a, an African-American actor and turns his performance into what is essentially uh, Arnold Johnson. I, I had his name written down, but I've been having issues with my uh, OneNote, and I'm, I'm sorry it took me a second. Arnold Johnson, who, um, you know, he, he was a working actor. He's appeared in a ton of stuff after this. This was his first film, but he's in *Minister to Society, and Rocky. Uh, he's in Shaft. I mean, the... He's, you know, uh, I think he was uh, Mother Winslow's second husband in Family Matters. He worked consistently from filming this until his death in 2000. And um, so Robert Downey taking him and turning him into what is very much a racist joke voice is is an issue like, uh, again, it's 1969 when they made it and standards and views have changed. But that doesn't make it OK by the modern lens. U- ultimately, he turns Johnson's performance into a blackface performance. And it's it's icky. And on top of not being able to say anything about any of what he's talking about, it's makes it not worth bothering with. I mean, I know, like, this got a, a Criterion release not too long ago, and, like, I'm, uh, I think in 2016 it was added to the National Film Registry, so, you know, Putney Swope will exist forever. Uh, should it? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sold on it. Maybe if it was a bit more biting, maybe if it had a bit more to say, maybe if it didn't paint the African-American characters so terribly. Like, there's a lot of white bullshit in every inch and frame of this film. So, I mean, there's there's issues here that are worth addressing from somebody who is far better to do it than I am. So, yeah, I I do not like Putney Swope. I I can appreciate the ideas, but I don't think it it I don't think it lands, at at all, at all. And if that's like the most biting satire of marketing and advertising somebody could come up with in 1969, no wonder we're fucked now.
1: Well, I liked it more than both of you. <laughs> um. There are definite definite problems with this holding it back from being as good as it could be. The main one being uh, Downey, yeah, voicing uh, Johnson's part, which it's claimed that it's because he wasn't getting his lines right or he kept sort of flubbing his lines. But uh, I don't understand that because you see his lips moving as he generally says the words like it seems to match up so
2: that's an excuse his son made when he did his own racist part in Tropic Thunder so all right you know uh I'm not uh, I'm not judging either actor for it much but I'm just saying the context of that claim is let's call it dubious at best
1: Yeah, it seems serious. And you know what? I would would still not like the execution, but I wouldn't have minded so much if Downey had made this and said, yeah, I put my voice to the main actor's character because he was voted in there by people by mistake. But he's essentially, you know, he tries to get his own message across and he's essentially a puppet. And he's essentially voicing the same message that the white men who didn't get the power in that room are passing through. Like that, that could have been an interesting facet of the film, but it's not because he's just come up with this excuse for for revoicing. So it does, it harms it because it affects the performance that you're watching from Johnson, who seems good enough in the role. It just, yeah, it's... As, as we're saying about being from a different age and comedy being subjective, there is all that, but that that mismatch of the character and the voice completely undermines the whole thing. It, it means that even the more effective jokes don't land because of the way they're being delivered. Like, they're being delivered by someone who isn't really you know as good at delivering them let's be honest they don't they don't feel like the character that we're watching so that's that's a big issue and the film can't can't really overcome that but what i like about it is like i, I really like the start of this at the start of this i thought i thought it was going well i liked the the boardroom nonsense I, I love the fact that he gets a position because all these guys voted for him, thinking they would be the only one to vote for him and somebody else would would get a shot at running the company. I like that. There are there are fun little scattershot moments um, with the with the advertising sort of and the, the dealing, the wheelings and dealing. Uh, shown on screen that I quite enjoyed and I, I like the ultimate end of the film it's very obvious, you can see it coming a mile away I like that, there are bits here and there this is a film that I don't think I was ever too far away from from some bits that I enjoyed despite this big problem with the mismatched uh, voice and, and physical performance the the stuff that doesn't work is mainly well yeah there's there's a lot of it's it's almost like it has a scattershot approach to to just a variety of targets and that that doesn't work cuz it actually works when it's focusing on the on the business side of things on the advertising world and on the the different views mainly from the the scared white guys who've put an African American in charge of his company. That's what works. It doesn't work when it's like making the well the was it the president and his wife that were played by like two little people?
2: Yes. That... The, I didn't want to talk about that, but yeah.
1: <laughs> right, okay. I mean I'm I'll and they were all short jokes. Yeah, it was all that. Um, there were. I'm I'm trying to think of the other like, there there was quite a few really bad ones. There was I'm sure there was a group of Asian men and firecrackers were being sent off. I'm sure, there's a joke about Pearl Harbor. Yeah, there.
2: Uh, there Chinese was, men with fireworks. You get it right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, there's, there's quite a, there's quite a few just random Um, I'm not sure now I'm, I'm misremembering already because I I was taking notes for different scenes but I couldn't recall if there was homophobia running through a number of scenes and you'll be able to tell me straight away I guess Dave or if they were just like like, really randomly... Like, obviously emphasizing the general horniness of different characters. So that it was indiscriminate general horniness. That that uh, might have been the idea.
2: I think it was indiscriminate general horniness. I don't remember any specifically I think gay so. jokes. But
1: but I may have missed one of because the, I mean, that there, There's that, a lot of sexist jokes. Quite a few. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially the, the guy... Making up with someone who was, um, I mean, she was going to be a, I think, a secretary or PA, and then he, he basically throws her under the bus because he wants to keep his position. Uh, yeah, it's just, just generally not good in the in the execution. It doesn't work. See, I, I, I got confused. I think you're right. I think it's a general indiscriminate. Uh, horniness throughout, which is is fun sometimes when that is uh, Antonio Fargas because I mentioning him, he has a a main role here, which was good to see. Um, but there's there's a lot in this that's negative. But as I say, I I felt that I was always just two or three minutes away from from one little gem or nugget that made me made me enjoy it for for when it hit the target and made me try and consider other people maybe liking more of it than I did and seeing seeing it as a more valued film if you know what I mean like it, it is hard for us watching it now if um had you seen it before, Dave?
2: Uh yeah, back in, in college.
1: Yeah, so like Tyler and I like we're watching it now for the first time and obviously it is over fifty years ago that it was made, it's set then, try to take these things into account. But I can I can definitely see like I think it gets more right than it gets wrong. I think a big part of what gets wrong, other than that voice choice, is the um, as the, the scatter approach. Was when it's honing in on on the right targets, it hits a lot of them, and it hits a lot of them really well. I enjoyed, but the but the there stuff whether it's the, the sexism, the random like the the horniness, um, yeah, the the other uh really strange just inserted racism and the sizeism I think that covers it Uh, just doesn't feel right and it isn't funny I, I try to think of whether people would have found that at the top of their funny list back then and I don't think you know for Half the stuff that that we wouldn't find funny now, I I don't think it would even work back then.
2: I had a professor who loved um, Robert Downey Sr. All right, and uh, so I've I've seen all of his films, and none of them are funny. I, I mean, do. Dude I have a I, Just I have isn't question.
0: funny when Dave's done. Oh. Okay, so uh, I've seen Boogie Nights a hundred times. I love Boogie Nights. Uh, Buck Swope. Don Cheadle's character. Was he named after this guy? Because... Uh, I 100%. Okay. Because it, now I'm starting to see it. Because even in Boogie Nights, Paul Thomas Anderson threw a Chinese character with the fireworks when they went to the drug dealer's house played by uh, Alfred oh, Molina.
1: Alfred Molina.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm guessing Paul Thomas Anderson is a big fan of this movie. Just a quick observation. Uh, actually,
1: I never put two together. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. I... I'm not familiar with um, with Downey Sr. at all. Um, his directorial work. I mean, he was in Boogie Nights and Magnolia, wasn't he?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, he was in those. Uh, so, yeah, Thomas Anderson will be a fan. But from his directorial work, I've not seen, I, I don't think, anything else uh, from his CV. So I I gave this one a blind buy. It has quite a hefty reputation. And, you know, I think there's enough there and enough to consider from the time it was released that I can see why it it could have that hefty reputation. But, yeah, I, I liked it. But there's definitely a lot of bad in the mix. And I know for you guys, that was enough to outweigh the good. I think for me, the good still just outweighs the bad.
2: No, I think for me, I didn't see any good. Like, like at all. It's just, sorry. I respect your opinion, though. I don't believe you. Oh, I do. I, I do. <laughs> I I respect differences of opinion. I mean, I might chide you over it later, but, you know.
1: And in a, a run of astonishingly unusual movie choices that he's been making lately, Dave gave us Golden Arm after your last pick of Personal Shopper, Dave. I, I just don't know you anymore. Don't, I've always picked
2: like this. Like, do you guys only pay attention when it's some do. weird art to film? Come on. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. That makes sense. Then. <laughs>
1: It is the tale of, um, well, it's a, it's an arm wrestling buddy comedy in which there is uh, a woman called Danny, played by Betsy Sidaro who wants revenge on an arm wrestling champ uh, named Brenda. And uh, to get his revenge, she reckons she can train up uh, her friend Melanie by Mary Holland To be to be a champ To take on the other champ To get revenge for her So they go on a, a little road trip Doing some arm wrestling On the way to the big championship And Sports movie Tropes ensue I think that That covers it I hadn't heard of Golden Arm Probably still wouldn't have Heard of it uh, if you hadn't given us it to watch, Dave, I don't really know. Uh, as far as I'm aware, many of the people involved in the making of it. Uh, so it's directed by Maureen Barucha. I'm not sure I know of anything that she's done. I, I know she did a little extra pitch perfect thing.
2: Uh, yeah, she's done a lot of TV. Like a lot of TV
1: So it'll be one of those extras Um, And I do like myself Some Pitch Perfect but Not familiar with that one Uh, Written by Anne-Marie Allison and Jenna Milley I'm not familiar with Any of their work I did recognise Betsy Sedaro Who plays Danny but I can't Really think of (laughs) I looked for her filmography And I couldn't see What I would have seen her in that that would have had her standing out to me. So I'm at a loss there. But she definitely is someone I know. And then Mary Holland. I have seen in a few films recently. Uh, I think most importantly, I think she was very good in Happiest Season. She was the kind of quiet slightly neglected in a way uh sister who flips out at them a bit if I remember rightly. Who's not neglected, but she's generally not the one they have to worry about, so she's just sort of left in the background a lot. Anyway, she's very she's very good in that. And she's very good in this. I liked Sidaro and Holland as the leads in this. Um it's I would say it's more of a, a light-hearted sports movie than an outright comedy. There are there are some some good chuckles here and there uh, particularly I mean I liked I, I liked the ending of this. I liked how things were going with the finale. It made me laugh. There was a bit of unpleasantness. It was amusing unpleasantness. And I still knew where things were going to go. Um, so th- that was fine. I just enjoyed it, but there was nothing spectacular about it. Like uh Olivia Stambulia, played uh, Brenda. I thought she was very good as the, uh, you know, the kind of potential big bad. Well, she is a big bad for her role. And there were a lot of different people in the supporting cast who who were familiar to me I'm sure there were one or two that were in the the office the, the American version certainly at least one right
2: yeah there's, there's
1: at least one odds are there's at least one <laughs> yeah. um, a, a lot of people seemed familiar though and I couldn't necessarily pinpoint where but they were all you know, they're all fine. They're all working together fine. It's it's a good, fun vibe. There's not much more to it, I don't think. And you don't always need loads more to a film. You know, you want to stick on a film that has that sports movie arc with a few, a few laughs here and there. I mean, there's about the halfway point, I think, or just before, there's a very fun... Training montage, and as I say, uh, I I like and Holland working together. But Holland is someone who who can easily steal enough scenes for herself. Anyway, I I definitely need to be seeing. I think better roles for her. She's in quite a few different things. I think she does good in supporting terms but she sort of needs another one or two films like this that give her a really main front and centre role and then hopefully people can be one round to her uh, awesomeness because she's pretty great that's me
0: Okay, yeah, so I, uh, I really like this one. Uh, I love that mix of female, buddy, road, comedy, and arm wrestling sports movie. It shouldn't work as well as it does, but they make it work here. It's like a better female version of Stallone's Over the Top. Uh, the cast has great chemistry. I mean, it's genuinely funny at times, too. Sure, not all the jokes land, but that's comedy. Not every joke is going to land, and that's fine. Uh, betsy Sidara was great uh, she's a lot of fun here i've always enjoyed her she has a pretty good podcast too it's definitely worth a listen um mary holland is really good they both improv off each other super well i love the arm wrestling scenes thought they were really good the script is definitely formulaic sure it does hit every single sports movie trope ever known to man and it does lose a bit of focus in the third act but Overall, it's a fun little sports movie, and it never really tries to be anything else but a fun little sports movie. But uh, it's definitely, and it's definitely one of the better comedies I've seen in the past couple years, which really surprised me because I didn't know what was the thing going in this movie. I didn't watch a trailer. I just pushed play. I just I turned the shit on HBO Max and watched it. It was a lot of fun, and uh, it's far from perfect, but it's a good time. I just I dug this one, Dave. Solid, solid pick.
2: I also really liked this one. Uh, I got this because it was on the uh, Vinegar Syndrome $10 uh, New Year sale. And uh, I bought a lot of crap off the Vinegar Syndrome $10 New Year sale over the years. This is probably the best I've picked up. I enjoyed the share list. This, for me, is a solid Kevin 7. This is a mm, solid yeah. 7.3. For me. On the Kevmometer. Yeah, no, uh, like you both said, Holland and Sidero are really good. Uh, Dot Jones, who plays Big Sexy, is one of those um, actors who has popped up in things since, like, I was, you know, I think she was on, like, an American Gladiators knockoff is the first thing I remember seeing her on. Uh, and I think she was on Glee in the later when I, I didn't watch it then, but I I know I've you know heard her sing because of that. Uh, in Material Girls, I think she was in Lizzie McGuire. Uh, always a, a solid, fun supporting character actor who is also a fifteen-time arm wrestling champion. Did you know that? I had no idea. I got the trivia, baby. Why well, they've got like literal photos of her wins on the wall in the training montage. Hmm. Um, Kate Flannery is the office actress who owns a bar in this. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I I enjoy that the the secondary romantic male cast members are Ron Fuchs or Funches, I, I'm totally mispronouncing it, uh, from The Kroll Show and Mulvaney. And hes I think he's mostly a voice actor uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. He's funny. Uh, Eugene Cordero, who has <coughs> uh, been in another movie we covered on this show. If you go all the way back to episode two, he is in Kong Skull Island. Hmm. He also um, was in Other Space, that Yahoo show, which, you know, I just, <laughs> it's taken me 295 episodes to make a second Other Space reference. So I took the chance to do it. And currently he does a voice in uh, Star Trek, Lower Decks. Uh, so seeing them play, you know, romantic leads off our two uh uh off the two leads i mean that's part of the reason i enjoyed this film it's got a far more interesting cast than a lot of other movies out there i i, I enjoyed it i i i called it glover the top in my notes because it is essentially it's over the top mixed with glow and It's, it's something different. I mean, yeah, it's not like groundbreaking cinema. It's not going to change the world, but it's a fun little sports film. And sometimes, sometimes that's really all you need. And, and this week that's, that's exactly what I needed. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I fully recommend this one. It's time to pick one. And I think, uh, without, you know, spoiling anything. We, we we all know. I I'm going with uh, I'm going with Glover the top Golden Arm.
1: Uh, same. Yeah, it it was a consistently more enjoyable film, so it wins.
0: I am also going with Golden Arm because it was awesome. So yeah, Golden Arm
2: nice um next week it's our underwater special i was going to do a pick but since craig's going to be out for a while i'm just going to i'm going to adopt his pick and hold off on making you guys watch a lorenzo Lama's submarine movie <laughs> that's that's now in my back pocket that's a threat so uh if you want to take a minute to watch along with us next week We're watching Underwater, The Rift, and Proteus. Uh, As always, you can reach us on our Facebook page, our blog spot. Uh, You can watch weekly videos done by Kevin and interact with him over on our YouTube channel. Uh, Please be sure to like and subscribe and review us on the podcasting platform of your choice, and if you really just want to mess with us, you can email us at writersofthepodcast at gmail and we'll probably do like whatever you ask of us because we're we're easy and desperate to be liked. That's that's not even a joke. That's just that's just a moment of personal revelation.
1: But it's it's nice it's nice to get a message. Oh, I I know you hate when I mention other podcasts that never mention us, we got mentioned, Dave. Because oh. I I interacted, uh, I sent a lengthy email and had a good, uh, basically, online conversation with the guys on Not A Bomb podcast. That was lovely, they read it out. And Watch Skip Plus, I've been mentioned a few times there. I know you keep forgetting who Jose is. Jose will be on this podcast at some point sometime hopefully this year because he's a wealth of knowledge um he's ridiculously fun and and we can pick any film and he'll find someone that he has a massive crush on in that film i've lost count of the many many actors that he has a crush on over the years actors directors He's got a huge crush on Adam Wingard. He just, his heart is more easily handed out than
2: Tyler's.
1: (laughs) Tyler doesn't hand out his heart.
2: He hands out something else.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's that scene in Bachelor Party all over again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, I don't mind you mentioning other people. Just, you know
1: i know but it's nice if it's a, a two-way street but reminding me you know it's it's nice to have the uh it's yeah, have the contacts where people can can message us can email us uh it's always welcome it's always good to hear
2: we do cry a little when it happens yeah except for tyler who thank you for being a friend uh please uh be sure to like subscribe uh Thanks for joining me guys. Thanks for listening. I'll I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.